thanks for tuning in to Life Church Benella's podcast. You can find out more information about Life Church on the web at all the W's, lifechurchbenella.com.au, or search Facebook for Life Church Benella. We hope you enjoy this message. doing today? Rock and roll. I've got going here, rock and roll. I've got room. If I make my little pulpit sit there, it's not on the lead, it won't rock and roll. (laughs) Hey, it's good to be with you all. Thanks for being tuned in again today. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, somewhere on the map out of all this, about three years away, I think they would like us to get back together. Let's just keep praying that it can happen sooner than that. Really soon. That would be really, really fantastic. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to minister the word of God to you all today. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank for you. Thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for your incredible love, for your grace and mercy that you've so poured out on us. I just thank you this day for every blessing. Lord, too numerous to number each of us, that would be the case. But we love on you this morning. We ask you to bless your word this morning. Ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So, this morning, excuse me, excuse me again. That seems to be the way I start, isn't it? But he's hoping for better. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we started last week, and so I want to read those verses again. And, uh, and go from there this morning. So we did read last week, we began with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, and we read to verse 8, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. So we did preach from there last Sunday about uh, learning to be content and thankful for what we have, for, for just the basics. We did look at how the love of money can really mess us up. Not money, but the love of it and where that can lead people to go is often not good at all. We looked at what godliness is, which is, you know, really basically living in a godly way, loving the things that God loves and doing the things that God does. Uh, It's really quite simple. And today I want to keep speaking about contentment because I I don't know, I don't see a lot of it even in Christendom today really uh, and we need to be people that are content. And as I said last week, that's not content with second best. I really want to make that point as I start again today, remembering the example we used from way back in Joshua 
where they sent, had a major win at Jericho and then didn't even bother asking God about the next town they were to engage uh, and drive out and just sent a few troops down and they got beaten and Joshua got all sulky and said, oh, that we had been content just to live out the other side of the Jordan and not even come into the promised land. And God rebuked him for that. And so we don't need to be content. You know, if God's got this for us, well, we shouldn't be content with that. So, but, you know, when we're on the road to that, we need to be content with our lives. Praise God. So I want to use the Apostle Paul again uh, more as an example uh, than, than what he teaches today. I want to read from Philippians chapter 4 and again these will be really really well known verses you will know them very well chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 and let me read them and and we'll go from there this morning so reading Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 not that I speak in regard to need Paul had been writing to them about uh, their supply to him and their giving to him and verse 11 not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, which is brought really low. That means really being in the pits, if you like, right down. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God, that is the truth. But what I read, what, what I see, what I learn when I read those verses is this, that contentment didn't just happen to Paul one day. He doesn't, he doesn't write there that I woke up with, you know, one morning it was a great day and I, I was just content. It just happened. It wasn't like that. He said that he had learned in whatever state he was in, to be content. It was something he learned to be. Isn't that interesting? So if Paul could learn to be content, we could too. And I want to talk about that this morning. So uh, uh, I believe that uh, contentment, like... Uh, uh, you know, all the other important life choices that we have to make, uh, contentment, happiness are choices as well. Uh, life is all about choosing wisely and choosing to be. We can choose to be something. And so choices, you know, we first choose, as Greg has just so ably spoken we choose to give our lives to Jesus. We then choose to, to make him Lord of our lives. That means the supreme controller of our life. We then make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit access to all of us so he can change us, change us and uh, call the word sanctification uh, you know, uh, we need to choose to let him do that. A lot of people don't. You might think, well, that's just automatic. You get saved and all that happens. Well, no. Sometimes we only allow the Holy Spirit into the, the first room of our house, but not the rest. 
Don't want him getting in there or anywhere else. No, we need to open our whole self up to him. It's not just Jesus come into my life. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But I don't want you nosing around in my affairs. I want to run my life myself. Well, that really doesn't work well, folks. We need to make those choices to open our life up to him. So we need to, uh, you know, sanctification, you could say, is, an, is a, a foregone that, you know, the Holy Spirit does that work. But we, we need to choose to let him do it. It then becomes a choice and not a fight, which is a way better way for it to happen. But we've got to choose to forgive. And you know that. You, you know, forgiveness doesn't just flow at times anyway. A lot of times we've got to make that choice. I will choose to forgive. I will choose to forget. A lot of people choose to forgive but want to just have what happened in the little memory bank to bring out next time something may happen. Not good. We need to choose to forgive and choose to forget. We choose to love. We choose to be involved and help people. Is that not right? And uh, we choose to be givers. Greg just spoke about giving right before I come on. Uh, but giving, you know, financially, but not only in that, in, in you know, giving of our lives, uh, uh, again, involvement with people and, and choosing to help, et cetera, et cetera. We choose to give. And uh, so I think contentment, like happiness, uh, they can be learned. And uh, there's something that you can choose to be. I mightn't have everything I want just right at the moment, but man, I am happy. I have chosen to be happy. I love my wife. I am very happy with her. And that's not really a choice. If you knew her, you'd have to be happy. She's beautiful. But man, I tell you what, you can choose to be happy and you can choose to be content. And, I, you know, I really love the Apostle Paul. He's... He's possibly, I don't know, how can you have favourites in the word of God that's so, uh, so many incredible characters in there, etc., etc. But I love the Apostle Paul, you know, because he was, the, I think, the greatest of the apostles. That's just a judgment I make. I may, not, I may not be correct in that. But, man, he wrote probably most of the uh, New Testament, yet he... He was persecuting the church. He was a terrible man. And yet he's just a trophy of grace. He's an example of what God can make of anyone's life if they will repent and turn from their past and come follow him. Uh, you know, uh, probably my most studied after character, I think, beside Jesus. Uh, and I really admire him. You see, he, he had learned to be content. But... You know, his life included being abased or brought low, really low, having plenty, not having enough, full and, or hungry. And that's only half of it. If we go to Second Corinthians chapter 11 today, beginning at verse 24, read this about Paul. Three times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one, 39 stripes, in other words... Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and it wasn't on marijuana, let me tell you that. He got stoned. They tried to kill him. Uh, three times he was shipwrecked, a night and a day. He says he was adrift at sea. I mean, how would that be? 
I don't know if he was clinging on to a bit of timber off a ship or something, but he was adrift. Uh, uh, where are we? Frequent journeys, dangers from rivers. That, that's not being flooded in his house or anything. That's crossing the river. Uh, when Paul went on missionary journeys, you didn't admire the view as you crossed a beautiful bridge. You walked through the water and hoped you didn't get washed downstream. So danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own people, the Jews, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, Christians, in toil, hardship through many, a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, in all these things he had learned to be content. I admire Paul. Could we be content like that? Well, we could choose to be, but it uh, would be difficult, wouldn't it? How did Paul do that? How did he learn to be content while he did that? How, how is that possible? Well, I just want to talk about three things today. I've put it into three. I mean, you could say it's ten reasons he did that. You could get it down to saying it's only just one that he learned that in you know, all things he could do through Christ who strengthened him. That would be number four today if you wanted to go on number one and we go the numbers the other way around. As I say, this is not overextensive, but I've sort of grouped them into three. And I think if we were uh, got a real handle on these three, it could help us to choose to be content, choose to be happy, satisfied where God has us right now. So number one, he had a great prayer life. And I don't know that we're ever going to be content without prayer because it's, it's not that he was good at asking things of God or telling God things, but it was just relating with God. He was so close to him. He knew Jesus. Jesus revealed himself on the Damascus Road to Paul. He knew him and he conversed with him. He says in uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 14 that he spoke in tongues, and which means he prayed in tongues more than any of them. <clears throat> so, you know, a, a, an incredible prayer life, like tongues is a great key to prayer. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't... And so prayer is not the, the main one that I want to get to this morning, otherwise I'd spend more time on it. But prayer is really, really, really important. Everything comes from that. How, how, do you, how would you get on with your wife if you never spoke to her? I know people that that's the way it is and it's terrible, but how can you know what she's thinking or feeling or her with me? We need to talk with each other. And so we need to talk with Jesus and tell him how we're feeling and ask him and tell him we admire and love him and so thankful for what he's done for us. If we communicate and relate with him, I think rest and contentment can come from that. It's, it's certainly a huge part of it. The second one I would say would be this. I think Paul truly understood worship. And read his epistles, read Philippians, the, the jailer. Uh, it's not in it's in Acts, but he was in Philippi, <coughs> Philippian jailer, and uh, they were beaten up and put in stocks in prison. So what did he do? He worshipped God in the middle of the night. 
what, what more do I need to say about Paul understanding worship? He worshipped God and got an earthquake and got set free. But to me, worship equals the presence of God because when we worship, we usher in his presence. And, you know, I don't know, I could spend all day talking about that, the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Spirit of God, the blessed Holy Spirit. You know, we, we worship and it just becomes powerful and there's incredible rest in his presence. Remember Moses writing, your pre God, the Lord said to him, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And so if we want to be happy and content and live life well and be and live well with those around us, primarily starting in our families, well, I think worship is a really, really, really important thing. Worship, the presence of God and rest and peace and all those things come. Worship is a really, 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 really powerful thing. I think as Christians we need to live in such a way that when we run into brick walls, worship is the first thing that happens. Because it's not automatic. You know, we run into things. Ah, oh, what's happened here? Why has this gone wrong? God, where are you? What have I done wrong? What's going? What's happening? I think when we hit them, if we can say, wow, I don't know what's going on here, Lord, but I know you and I worship you and I love you today and I put this into your hands and I just give you praise for who you are. Man, things are going to be different. Amen? And so... Uh, Number two key for Paul is worship. And the one that I want to get and spend just the rest of the time I do have today, number three, he'd learned to be content. I believe because he was ministering and living in the call of God and the will of God for his life. Because if we're doing something that God has not called us to do, and call, I believe, comes from the will. Will comes and then call. And we're doing something that is not in the will of God. We ain't never going to be too content. <laughs> I know. I know that. I know that very, very well. And, you know, Paul was called to be an apostle. And all the stuff that he went through came with the territory. Apostles go forth and break new ground. That's part of what being an apostle is. So when those things happened, he didn't think, well, this is not fair. He knew that if he was going to be an apostle and he was going to open up new country, if you like, new areas of the kingdom, new areas of people to the gospel of the kingdom, well, then that stuff was likely to happen. So it wasn't all oh, shock, sad. What's it? No, he was in the will of God. He could cope with that. I've learned to be content. It was awesome. Romans 1.1, Paul, the bondservant, that means a slave of Jesus Christ. That means he, says, he tells me what to do and I do it. <laughs> a bondservant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, 1 Corinthians, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus, Christ Jesus by the will of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. 
Colossians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. It was God's will that he be an apostle. God had called him to be that because that was his will for him. That's why he saved Paul. There's a reason we're all saved and we need to know and understand the will of God and the call that comes out of that for each of us. So the will of God is really, really important. What did Jesus say? Come to do what I want? No, he came to do his father's will. And at really crucial times in his life, he said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. So the will of God is a really, really powerful thing. I've got a quote here from A.W. Tozer. Some of you may have heard of him. It's this, outside of the will of God, there is nothing I want. And in the will of God, there is nothing I fear. I reckon that is a really, really, really powerful quote. So, folks, can I encourage you? Can I instruct you today to pray the will of God before you make any of the important decisions of your life? We're going to buy a new house. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, this is the one. No, Father, direct us. Open the right doors, Father. Show us the one you want us to have. Guarantee you it'll work out better. You know, we, we, Pam and I, nearly bought a house at auction one day. We had the blessing of the bank to bid high. And we got there all excited about the house, didn't we? My wife is here today, one of the five. The chosen five. It's terrible. And, yeah, the man got up, didn't he? Just the usual rubbish... Position, position, position. Yeah, the only thing is we've sold it just prior to auction. We thought, uh, like, but we had asked the Lord to direct us and now this, I was a bit angry for a while, but then I realised, Lord, you've probably stopped it for a reason. And then a house came on the market that wasn't even on the market just then. And it was way, way, way better than that one. It was in a way, way, way better position. You know, seek the will of God and let him direct you and et cetera, et cetera. It'll work out a whole lot better. I read a, a thing the other day, um, and, I th and I believe this is right. It says 90 much, <clears throat> 90 much, 90% of your happiness or misery I don't know if I should have read that word misery, but this, this is the quote. 90% of your happiness or misery will be, be will be determined by who you marry. But I actually agree with that. And so marry in the will of God. Amen? Marry in the will of God. And if your marriage is not good... <clears throat> excuse me, and you've had thoughts that, oh, maybe I didn't marry in the will of God. Well, when it all comes down to it, when the preacher said, will you take whoever as your lawful wedded husband or your lawful wedded wife, and you said, I will, God said, I will too. So it's the will of God now for you, okay? And so marriage can be made to work very, very, very well. You can choose to be happy in it, et cetera, et cetera. But man, if you're a young person and you're not married, you seek God for the right person.
You can think, wow, look at her. Man, she's my wife. You can look at some young fella and, oh, look at him. Look at the, might have muscles and six-pack like I've got. And you think, wow, he's got to be my husband. Well, find out what God says because he's the best matchmaker there is. Really, really important. So live in the revealed will of God. There's things that I don't know for certain of my life yet. God's still opening things up. But I know it's his will that Pam and I are doing what we're doing. But there is his revealed will that everyone can know. And I believe it's as we live in that revealed will and pray and worship, etc., etc., that God opens up the things we need to know about partners, about work, about houses, about ministry, about everything else. Uh, the revealed will of God, well, basically I could say that's loving God and loving people. That's his will. Thessalonians, Paul writes again, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality so that you don't get messed up with sex outside of marriage or adultery in marriage. That's the will of God that you don't get all messed up in that stuff. In the uh, ch next chapter, verse 16, rejoice always. That's the will of God. Pray without ceasing. That is the will of God. In everything, give thanks. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's his will. So it's no good saying, well, I don't know. I can't find out his will. I don't know what he wants me to do, and I'm saved. and I've, I just feel there's something I'm, I've got to... He's not given me. He's well. It's just start thanking him. Thank him that you're saved. Thank him for his grace, etc., etc. Pray. And not just, oh, God, please tell me this, please. Oh, God, I need this. Just no, 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 no. No, our Father in, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like that's just pray and seek him, but love on him and communicate with him. And uh, as you live in his revealed will, uh, I, I just know that he will make his will known to you. I really believe that. I think call follows or comes from his will for us. So... That means, and I don't know why I'm saying this this morning, but I just felt to say this, that if you're married and you feel you've been called like Paul to be an apostle or a pastor or a police officer or a, a president of the state or the country or the prime minister, whatever you think God may have called you to be, his will for you first is to be a good husband or wife if you're married. They've got to come before the other. And then if you are blessed to have children, then you being a dad and mum, you being a mum to your children, comes before even the call of God, I believe. I can't, I've known people who left their family and went to minister in India and their marriage broke up. Duh. Why wouldn't it? I mean... You know, and that's why Paul wrote, if you want to be 100% totally available every second day or night, 24-7 to minister and, and, and work for God, well, then it's probably best you don't get married, he said. 
But man, the benefits of that are awesome, are they not? So we just need to get things in the right order. And there's too many pastor's kids I know that got off track because they were doing the will of God in, in following their call. They neglected that first thing. And so husband, wife, family, our ministry starts and comes out of that, I believe. 1 John 2:17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's really important. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O God. That's, that's um, speaking of Jesus who would come. Your law is written within my heart. So Paul, understanding the will and call of God, wherever he was, he had learned to be content. And he knew that Christ's strength via his spirit in him coming through him would help him to do that and be that. There are real, real keys for, for, for contentment in what I have said today. In the centre of God's will is the most happy, contented place she could live. I know that. I know that. So go after God with everything you have. Don't leave any avenue unturned. Read your Bible, pray, study your Bible, look up things online. There's plenty of good places to help you understand things. Ask your pastor, ask your life group leader. I suppose you can't do too much of that at the moment, but you understand what I'm getting to because living in the centre of God's will is a really, really happy place. Just a wonderful place to live. I'd, I'd love that. I want that for every one of you. Praise God. God bless you. Thanks for, for listening in today. It's a little bit different when you preach like this because when you're all here, if you got up and walked out and thought, oh, I don't care about the will of God, I'm going home, I could see you walk out. So you could turn the set off and think, oh, that's a dribble of it. I wouldn't know, would I? So I'm happy here thinking you're all watching. I hope you are. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for letting us into your home today. Are we... We're finishing just like that, are we? We're just fading out. There you go. So God bless you. Let me pray for you and uh, we'll see you again. Father, I just pray your will be done in everyone's life today. Oh, God, in every purpose, I pray as we reach each of us, Lord, reach out to you that your will would be done in earth, in all of our lives as it is in heaven. Pray uh, safety, Lord, safety from viruses or anything else, safety from accidents. Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone's life this coming week. I ask it in the very precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to Life Church Benalla's podcast. 
We pray this podcast message has been a blessing to you. And to connect with us here at Life Church Manila, simply search Life Church Manila on Facebook or YouTube, or head to our website at all the W's, lifechurchmanila.com.au.